What is going on? My name is Taylor and this podcast is called Who Knows, a podcast that works to answer the simply complicated questions of life and promote a life of self-love, mental health, and creating your own normal. Don't worry, we are just as lost as you. Hello! What is up, Who Knows fam? I hope everyone's week is getting off to a fantastic start. Or if you're listening to this not on a Monday, I hope whatever moment of the week it is for you is a fantastic moment. Thanks for spending some time with us. So we have a couple of announcements. They're just, you know, some stuff that you may, may or may not have heard me say before. But maybe, I don't know, today should be the day that you join our Patreon. Our Patreon is awesome. We have lots of bonus stuff going on over there. And you can get some of that for as low as $1. There's more shenanigans to be had than just the podcast. The Patreon's the place to get it. Join us for as low as $1. You won't regret it. So today is actually kind of a sad day for me because I have to tell you that we have no new reviews. No new reviews on Apple Podcasts, no review shout outs. And you're like, Taylor, what, what do we do? What can we do to help you not be sad? Well, my friends, you can leave a review. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts or any place that takes reviews. And not only do you make my heart sore, but I'm going to make your heart sore by giving you a free button. That's right. We have some buttons. They're awesome. If you want to see what they look like, go over to our Instagram page. Casey and the Bear helped us make them. She's amazing. She's at Casey and the Bear on Instagram. So all you have to do is leave us a review or you can even post on your social about us and you get a button that way too. Get a free button. Make me happy. It will really help the show. Everybody will love it. So we have a segment on this show called The Things, and it's where I take a minute to talk about a few things that I might be super into right now, exciting things that have happened, like events or accomplishments, or sometimes stuff that's a little hard to talk about. And this week, I want to tell you guys all about Halloween Horror Nights and Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party. We just got back from Orlando going to these two events that we try to go to every year at two of my favorite places in the world, Universal and Disney. I love theme parks. I think it's because we grew up going to Disney because I'm from Florida. And I just, I don't know, it gets me all excited. I love like rides. I love food. I love shows. I love all the stuff that has to do with theme parks. And this time when we went, we went to Halloween Horror Nights and Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party. So Halloween Horror Nights is one of the ultimate horror events that you can go to that I've ever heard of. And it's kind of like if you've heard of like Scarewinds or whatever the one is at Bush Gardens. I can't remember it right now. Hollow Scream, that's what it is. And it's like tons of horror stuff going on. There's like haunted houses, themed food, which I love some themed food. And there are scare zones. So you're like walking around the theme park and there are people that are like, did I scare you? (laughs) Well, they don't say that, but I'm asking you if I scared you. (laughs) You're like, Taylor, you're such a nerd. And I'm like, I know it. But anyway, so at Halloween Horror Nights, we went for two nights in a row. It was amazing. We went in some houses. We went in the Stranger Things house. We went in the Ghostbusters house. We went in one that was called Nightingale's Blood Pit. 
so there was like all these like man-eating birds and it was really terrifying and we went in one that had all these yetis in it that were like eating people and I was like they're yetis how scary could they be terrifying that's the answer but yeah so it was super fun I went with my family and I went with Kyle who is also my family actually because we're in love and uh Ariel who is a guest from episode four of season two one of my best friends and it was a super fun time and not only did we get to go to Halloween Horror Nights but we also got to go to Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party at Magic Kingdom which is also a Halloween event but it's like just in the title not so scary and there's also themed food love some themed food your girl will go to an event just for the food if she feels so inclined and you get a ton of candy the best part about this event is that you get to trick-or-treat at any age and you get a ton of candy. And there's a parade that happens that I love every year. It's called Boo to You. It's the greatest thing ever. Look it up on YouTube. You won't regret it. I am just a huge theme park fan. Probably has something to do with the fact that I'm in theater. But anything that is like Halloween and themed entertainment... I'm in for it. I love it. It's the best. So if you ever get a chance to be in Orlando during these events, you should definitely go to Universal Studios for Halloween Horror Nights or to Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party for the Halloween Party and get your spook on. It's the best. So let's get into it. Who I hung out with this week. This week, I hung out with Josh Whitten, and he actually was introduced to me through Jason Romney, who was on episode two of season one. That is going way back. But Jason was one of my professors when I was in grad school, and he was like, hey, I met this guy. You really need to have him on the show. Here's his info. And I actually was able to get in contact with him, which was amazing. Josh is the founder of a company called Make Soil. Now, you know I love to get my banter on, but I really want to do justice to this company and explain what it is the way that they have intended me to explain what it is. So I'm going to read uh, a copy from their website. Make Soil is an online platform powering a global movement to make soil together on a planet-saving scale, redefining composting as making soil. Soil makers can easily and safely post their soil sites to our online map and invite their neighbors and friends to contribute their food and yard scraps. It's soil making. It's magic. The way that Josh talks about it is magic. If you go to their website, which will be posted in the show notes, it's magic. And you get to make it together with people. The soil sites that you can find online, I found a soil site and I have compost that I've been like, keeping in my freezer. That's what Josh suggested that I do. And hopefully this week I'm going to go and drop it off at this soil site and I'm going to meet this person and give them my food scraps so that we can make soil together. It's amazing. And the way that Josh talks about it gets you super excited to help save the planet. So yeah, Josh and I talked about how Make Soil came to be as well as Josh's journey as an individual. In this episode, he really opens up about a lot of things that he went through during his time of getting to the point of being part of Make Soil and making Make Soil happen. And we're super grateful for him and having him on the show and the fact that he was able to open up about all this amazing stuff with his mental health. So here's Josh and I talking about Make Soil and mental health. So 
let me know when you're ready. I am recording. Great. So I was going to say, I don't know how much they told you about an email that I initially sent, but my professor at School of the Arts, I believe that your dad is his neighbor in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. So he met you. His name is Jason Romney. And he met you and then immediately came to me like two days later and was like, you have to connect with this guy. You have to have him on your podcast because Jason was on the first season of my podcast when I was still (laughs) trying to find my footing. And I was like, I'm just going to find every possible friend and person that I have to be on my show. And so when we discussed having you on the show, one of the main things that drew me to really being like, I have to talk to this guy is how there's like a mental health aspect that comes into play with making the soil and how you you mentioned like touching the soil and knowing that the planet is alive and those kinds of things. I just want to know, first off, where did this idea come from? How did make soil come about? And who who are you? Who were you when you created this? How did you decide to do this? So if you leave the Make Soil website and look for me on the rest of the internet, you'll find that I'm often speaking about human consciousness. So we can talk about mental health, getting back to some kind of normal baseline or healthy baseline. And I've done a lot of that, done a lot of healing and repairing of my consciousness. What I experience is it just keeps going. For many years, I've been into how do we expand and elevate human consciousness kind of past the ordinary onto possibly more beautiful states of consciousness like enlightenment and unconditional love and all these other qualities that I think people everywhere have had maybe an experience of for a minute or two, right? Or longer. And so I was actually sitting around my apartment a year and a half ago, asking the question of what do I do now to contribute to global consciousness in the greatest way possible? I sold a company a few months earlier and had a bit more time. And I kept getting this image of people making soil together. During my meditations, I I meditate a lot, all this kind of stuff. It was kind of funny at first. I was just like, no, no, I I mean, like consciousness. So how do we elevate consciousness? consciousness, you know, not how do we make dirt, you know, and and it just couldn't get this idea out of my head, this image of making soil. And the image was actually of 10 years earlier when I had kind of unwittingly become the soil maker in my neighborhood. I had built a compost bin in my apartment complex. I'd gone door to door and asked my neighbors to participate. Nobody had ever heard of compost really where I lived at the time. Maybe they'd heard of it, but they didn't know that it was actually our own food scraps that made the whole thing possible. They were willing to try. And so we put all these food scraps and leaves in this box and I took care of it every day and it turned into jet black soil and it blew everybody's mind. We didn't know the planet could be repaired like that. We didn't know we could participate like that. We felt wonderful doing it together. We enjoyed talking to each other whenever we met each other at the at the compost bin. Here, 10 years later, I was just like, wow, what if that beautiful experience that was so transformative in my neighborhood could just be spread millions of times over? And that's when I started realizing that this was a way to intervene, not just on the environmental level and the social level and the community resilience level, but also the psychological and spiritual level. And then I had to do it because it was like, wow, that's that's a lot packs a lot in let's do it (laughs) right yeah yeah and so what's your sort of like little bit longer than an elevator pitch explanation of what make soil is so we're crowdsourcing the creation of new living soil we're crowdsourcing the capture of carbon by teaming up with plants that feed us leaves that fall from trees. We're teaching humanity this simple recipe of how you mix carbon and nitrogen containing organic matter together that plants are continually capturing from the air. 
and how you learn this recipe to turn it into actual living soil. And that if enough of us do that, we can reverse climate change. We can create a decentralized carbon capture network. We can create a distributed food system. Uh, we can have healthier food than we have today. It does take hundreds of millions of us adopting this though as a hobby, as a pastime, as part of our livelihoods. If climate change and the environmental situation and the social situation and all the war and strife and all these things were out that are out there. If we were in a big video game, the, the name of the game would be, you don't get to graduate from this level until hundreds of millions of people come together and agree they want a more beautiful world and they're willing to do something about it. That would be, that's the way you get out of this level onto the next level. We're at a time where things are not meant to be outsourced anymore to somebody else. It's not somebody else's problem. There's not some department of ecosystem regeneration out there. We only get out of this if enough individual people actually say, oh, I can see this more beautiful world and I'm willing to take my own hands and do something in my life, in my neighbor's life to bring about that beautiful world. That's the name of the game now. Yeah. One of the things that I was thinking about, you know, in doing all my research about the company is that I know what composting is. Like you take the food, you put it in a bin, but I couldn't tell you beyond that. I'm like, and it just goes in there and yes. that's it. There are so many things that I feel like people, I mean, I can at least speak from my own experience, just baseline. I knew what recycling was, but I didn't know that there are rules about recycling and like guides of what can be recycled and what can't and like different types of recycling. And there are so many ways in which the world is trying to do better on the environmental front but there's also so much I feel like we don't know and what I think is interesting about make soil is there's so much information on that website I mean I was reading it today and I was like wow you lay it all out there so it's like this is a thing that is possible where does your knowledge about creating soil and how do you know all that stuff what is your background that led you to being able to actually take this on well my background is actually in computer science so it has nothing to do at least on the surface with any of this stuff and that should be encouraging to people out there. You don't need to go get a degree for four years to start contributing to the planet environmentally. The information's out there, right, on the internet. And also I spent a lot of time over the past 10 years making soil. So it just became a hobby, it became a passion. And once you start, it's really painful to watch food scraps and yard scraps go into landfills ever again. So it just became like the hobby that I couldn't put down. And I just learned little by little. If you took the rest of the day to just like watch videos about making soil and you know you can go on YouTube and watch things on double speed, you could be like the local expert, you know, within at least in your neighborhood or in your family by the end of the evening, right? That's the way the world works today. Yeah, yeah. And what you said earlier about you knew about recycling and about the compost bin that you put your scraps in there, but not a lot about, you know, what's recyclable and what's compostable. What I would say to you and your listeners is that these days, most people don't know much about the planet. It's actually quite a new thing that we need to know about it because there used to not be nearly 8 billion people on the planet and we could kind of not know much and fudge everything and we didn't do much damage. Our tools weren't as powerful. There weren't as many of us. We hadn't invented plastic yet or we didn't have bulldozers yet or whatever it is. So, But things have changed and now we have billions of people the planet has never supported this many people. Any mistakes we make environmentally are now catching up with us. We used to believe that we could throw things away. Now 
we realize there is no away. You know, what you consider away is just somebody else's backyard or front yard or water supply or whatever. So it's a very new time for humanity. And I would encourage everyone to just not wait to become an expert, not decide that you need a four-year education in something. You can take the first steps to participate immediately. And that's part of what Make Soil is about. Like there's so much gloom and doom and seriousness out there about the environmental situation, but not a lot of practical, actionable steps that matter that a person feels empowered to take. And that's what Make Soil does. We can all get started. We can all participate. And you don't have to learn how to become a soil making expert tomorrow. You can just do like your neighbor did and join a soil site near you and learn over time as you watch the process what's going on. Yeah. So I'm going to backtrack just a little bit. Yeah. So who is Josh Witten? Where did you come from? What's your story like in a nutshell? My story in a nutshell is that from a very young age, I was demonstrating entrepreneurial kind of shenanigans, even though my parents weren't entrepreneurial. They were wonderful people who just kind of worked regular jobs their whole lives. From a young age, I was starting little businesses and little hustles. And I didn't even really care about money. But I I really saw how busy everyone was making money and making a living. And it seemed like they didn't have any time to follow their curiosity or to do what they really wanted in life. And I think at a young age, I just saw that and said, I'm not going to go out like that. I'm going to get making a living over with. I'm going to figure out how to make money. And then all I really wanted to do, though, is follow my curiosity and have autonomy. That's that's like one of my fundamental drivers. So that's like one side of the coin of who is Josh Witten. And the other side of the coin is somebody who would have fairly mystical experiences out of nowhere, experiences of overwhelming beauty and unconditional love and even Christ consciousness and these kind of moments. And I was just like, what was that? You know, what in the world was that? I was a very rational person. I loved tinkering with electronics and circuits and building things and playing with Legos. And then I would also have these kind of non-rational experiences of reality that just gave me a glimpse that there were other ways to be, there were other ways to think, there were other ways to experience life. And my 39 years on this planet now have been the story of integrating all those things and feeling like it's okay to house all those interests and experiences in one human body. Yeah, and I love what you said about everybody is so busy making a living. One of the things that I always talk about is I feel as though we created, humankind has created this mode that we are in. We put ourselves in this place where we're spending so much time making a living and people have to work two and three jobs because we've created a society where it's like in some places like almost impossible to live off of one job and one paycheck and, you know, all of these things that happen with money, like money and making the money, it does make it extremely difficult, almost scary to spend any time doing anything that isn't making sure that you're doing what you can to have a livelihood and to, you know, be there for your family and be there for yourself and all that kind of stuff. It's gotten to a point where it feels like that moment of exploring curiosities is like a gift. It's like, oh, I have this little... It's a luxury. Yeah, like this little <laughs> moment in my life where I can like do what I actually want to do. One of the reasons that I wanted to do this season that I'm doing where I'm talking to entrepreneurs and self-starters and creators is because what you're doing, the entrepreneurial way of living, people see as a huge risk. Just being like, I'm going to do this thing. It's not about making the money. It's just, I really care about this and we're going for it. Especially with what you're doing, where in order for this effort to work, 
people have to change the way that they're used to doing things. Do you ever have moments where you're you're scared where you're like, I've put all this time and effort into this thing that I'm so passionate about and I'm having, I'm having to work so hard to get people to do it. Do you ever have moments of feeling discouraged or feeling like no matter what you do, things won't change and those intrusive negative thoughts? Absolutely. I definitely do. It usually means I haven't been meditating enough or taking care of myself and I've gotten under-resourced and overwhelmed and fear is absolutely there. There's many ways out of that. Sometimes I'll journal about it. I oftentimes these days I do a visualization where I imagine I imagine myself on my deathbed on my last day on earth and I think what if I give in to this fear today? What does that mean? Okay, so I'm so I'm afraid. I'm afraid that I'm spending all this money on make soil and that people won't get it and they won't do it and what would I do instead? Would I pack it up and like go do something more tame and less impactful? And then I just fast forward to, to my last day on earth. What I really don't want to do is look back on my life and say, wow, I was too afraid to do what I wanted to do. And I was too afraid, afraid to try things. And I was too afraid to do what I came here to do. And that tends to blow it out because it's just like, there's, there really is no other option. I'm just, I'm here to really be my most creative and impactful self and try everything I can imagine that, that I want to try and do. And to give into the fear would just be such a tragedy. Yeah, that's like hitting me right in the feels because I just got my master's degree in sound design and, you know, School of the Arts does a really good job of placing everybody in a job. I think their their employment rate after graduation is like 93%, something really high like that. And I applied for a grant, it was $2,500 to do who knows, to do my podcast. And I was like, okay, if I get this grant, I'm doing it. I'm going to work at my local theater that I've been that I know will be able to help me pay the bills. But any time that I'm not doing that, I'm going to be making this brand happen. And it's not easy. I'm trying to do something where I'm bringing up emotions and things that people don't normally want to face. And it's scary because you see everybody else out there, you know, doing the normal thing, doing the the corporate world, moving to New York, moving to all of these places where it's like astronomically expensive to live. And I'm here in North Carolina and I'm like, I'm doing this because I would not be able to forgive myself if I didn't really give this a go. When I do have those feelings, I'm pushing too hard and I'm doing too much. And I think that's awesome to hear somebody else who, you know, is a little further along in their life and in their work, in their work life, talking the way that you are, where you take time to make sure that you're recharging and that you're doing things to take care of yourself. And that's something that you built into your day-to-day life. When I feel like in the world of, you know, a business, the size of Make Soil, from where I'm sitting, it seems like that could very easily become you spend all of your time like tearing your hair out and being freaked out all the time. But I'm looking at you right now and you look very calm and very collected. I mean, that could just be you today and you could have other days where you're not that way. But from what you're saying to me, it seems like you do what you can to take that time for yourself. And I think that that's super amazing and important. It's it's indispensable these days. And I did have a startup where I did the normal startup work life, which is insane. And it did a lot of damage to myself. And I had to take a lot of years to sort of repair myself. Is that what you were doing before Make Soil? Yes. Yes, it was. I spent the majority of eight years healing my mind, my emotions, working on things from childhood, working on things that I picked up in my startup life, working on negative beliefs that had taken hold in my mind. 
I spent a lot of time repairing myself. That's something that also a lot of people don't have the time or inclination or even understanding as possible for themselves, right? But I know that it is. I want to go back to like the whole notion of making money and people struggling and the fear and all this stuff, because there is like I, I wasn't born with a silver spoon. My family wasn't wealthy, none of this stuff. And yet, you know, my parents met my psychological needs and letting me know that I was loved and they told me I was smart. And the, probably just those two positive affirmations gave me what I needed to create to recreate my life around me. Right. And of course, a lot of children don't even get that. So how do we create a society in a system that people aren't just like being crushed by it all the time. And what's amazing is, again, I think the answer is make soil. And you're like, well, how is that possible? Well, right now there's 1.6 billion tons of food waste going to landfills every year. In order to turn that into soil, you have to mix that with all the dry leaves and cut grass and wood shavings and things, other carbon matter that humanity creates. And if we do that, we would have enough soil to create 10 million new gardens every single year. If you think of 10 million new gardens worldwide every single year, that is a completely different food system. That means you walk out into your backyard and you see abundance and you see things growing and you have neighbors growing this and you're growing that. And it doesn't mean backbreaking work of spending all day farming. This means you get to have your job as a sound engineer or whatever. And then you spend 30 minutes, an hour, two hours a week tending to your little garden and contributing to your resilient neighborhood's food supply. And the beauty of a food system that worked like that is everybody would feel a lot more security to try things, to take risks, to work part-time, let's say they lose their job, instead of freaking out or protesting or wanting some politician's head to roll, they would sit down with their friends over a lot of their homegrown food and they would say, what do I wanna do next? You know, it would just be a different feeling, a different energy, a different conversation. But today society is so fragile, it's all based on, on dollars and income. As well as I've done as like a capitalist in a capitalist system, we don't, there's a myth about how much economy we need and it's inversely proportional to the amount of self-sufficiency we have. And right now there is zero self-sufficiency in society and that's what makes the economy and jobs and money so scary. So again, Make Soil even intervenes in sort of the global economic situation that would allow us to have very different lives and transform society for the better. So, and what you're saying with that is because I have to go to the grocery store and buy my food, I need to make sure that I'm I'm worried about making that money so that I can do that. But if I'm able to make my own food through, you know, growing fruits and vegetables and that sort of thing, it's sort of, you know, that that burden is lessened. And Absolutely. Like, you go to the grocery store and who controls those prices? You don't know. You don't control those prices. They go up, they go down. Sometimes they're out of things. Sometimes they have things. Where's the stuff coming from? And most of it's being produced in a way that just, it, it harms the planet, quite frankly. So yeah. it's not a good situation. And when you instead walk out into that abundance, and I did, I proved this for myself. I started a garden. I didn't know a thing about growing food. I was a little nervous and I made it a community garden so that my, my friends and I who didn't know what we were doing could all learn together. There's little patches of dirt and land and grass in every apartment complex and backyard and front yard that could be producing a lot of food just based on rain and sunshine. And almost everybody in modern society has lost touch with that simple fact that when we bring that food home from the grocery store and you cut that cucumber open or that avocado open or whatever, there's seeds inside of these things. And those seeds could give rise to thousands more of the food you're holding. And just simple basic things about how nature works, how we can relate to it, how we can team up with it for a, a real symbiosis, 
that knowledge was completely sort of wiped out in the industrial revolution, in the specialization. The division of labor is really powerful. It's allowed us to specialize. I love that you're a sound engineer. I wish every podcast I did was by a sound engineer. <laughs> and, uh, but there's an issue if we divide too many times. And we've, we've got, we, the division of labor has become so extreme that, that everybody is kind of a specialist who now doesn't know the most basic thing about how to keep the planet running or how to take care of themselves. Yeah. And have you, during your time of creating Make Soil and learning all the things that you learned, were there, were there moments of failure and moments of like, oh, that didn't actually grow the way that I wanted it to? And then successes where you learned, like that created that process of learning how to grow things even though you started out with no experience? Oh my gosh, yes, yes. I mean, it was it was a profound learning experience. And again, you're asking like, who is Josh Witten? Well, I'm a, I'm a multidisciplinary, omnivorous thinker. I'd be having my day job as a tech entrepreneur. I would be reading like Abraham Maslow on my lunch breaks and evenings. And I would be in the garden in the mornings and evenings and weekends. And it was all swirling together. And I remember this one time I was reading about Maslow and talking about human needs. And if needs get met, people grow. And if needs don't get met, then people's growth is stunted. And I'd go out into the garden and I would see that like my kale went from being like this nice, big kind of bushy broadleaf to like this arthritic looking kind of thing that couldn't unfold. And suddenly it hit my mind. Wow, the plant has needs that aren't being met, just like the human is, has needs that sometimes aren't met. And what, what are the needs of this plant? And so I went and got some compost and I put it around there and I steeped some and I made a little tea and I drenched it with that. And within three days, those leaves had become broad and unfurled. Just experiences like that were priceless. Another time I had these tomatoes and they were all taken over by this little mite. You know, we turn over each leaf and there was like a hot, there's like a thousand like little things crawling under each tomato leaf. And it was like, ah, what do you do with that? And so I didn't know what to do. So I decided I would Google like organic pest spray or something. And I made this crazy concoction of like red pepper flakes and this and that and olive oil. And I put it in a spray bottle and I turned over a leaf and I squirted it and I turned over another leaf. And, it, and then the bottle jammed on my third leaf, right? I was three leaves into a thousand leaves. My bottle had jammed and I was just like, this is hopeless. And I asked somebody who really knew about organic gardening and I said, what do I do? And they said, your job is to keep the plant healthy. That's it. Take compost, put it around the base of the plant. And I did that. And for four days, I thought I was just watching this plant die. And on the fifth day, I turned over a leaf and there was nothing there. And the moral of the story was I had just allowed the plant to live long enough to either defend itself and given it the nutrients it needs or allowed it to survive long enough for a predator to come along that was there to correct the imbalance in the ecosystem. Because we created a garden where there had been just a lawn. And in that moment, I sort of understood the, the essence of, of organic gardening and how to harmonize with the earth. And that's so different than the paradigm that the industrial food system is created on. So many lessons, endless. Yeah. And it seems like not only was it just you learning from like using your resources and like taking the time to do the research, but what I also think is great is that you did it with other people. And so you had a community garden and then you said that you contacted somebody who you knew that knew about gardening. That's one of my favorite things about doing theater when you don't know what you're doing or when you're confused about something. There's a community aspect there where you get not only get the joy of learning more about what you're trying to accomplish, but you get to interact with people, which I know not everybody is a fan of human interaction. There are certain personalities that prefer to be on their own, but I'm the kind of person that like I thrive on 
doing something together. And like community is one of the most, one of my core values as a person. And I love that in that video on your website, one of the things that you say is a benefit of doing Make Soil is the community aspect of it. Right. Well, you know, we, my dad met your professor because of Make Soil, right? And that's why we're on the podcast. So that's the power of the the community and connection yeah. that we're pointing to here. And even the most staunch introvert still desires human connection. They may not want to go out partying every night, but a cup of tea and a meaningful conversation or standing around the soil maker box and talking with somebody about the process, like even an introvert, we, we need connection as human beings. And I truly did not know any of my neighbors until I built this compost bin and then went door to door asking them to start contributing their scraps. And my life changed from that point forward. It was absolutely transformative. And so if we can just spread that experience, give people a reason to have community around something that matters, not just like watching TV shows and drinking or whatever, that's a lot of societal resilience. That's a lot of communities that are now depending on each other instead of a government program or a politician or who knows what. Yeah. And just the idea that like taking the time to communicate with people and get closer to people, you know, in a human connection way. I mean, even though we're over a computer right now, there's this these two lines that are just getting closer and closer together. I'm learning things that I didn't know about. We're communicating. And I just think finding those bonds and doing the work to communicate with other people doesn't really always exist right now. People are not like meeting each other where they're at. They're not taking the time to really understand one another and communicate. And I just think that taking the time to come together as people, not everybody's going to agree all the time and not everybody is going to have the same ideas, but there's a difference between hearing somebody's idea that you don't like and arguing with them and hearing somebody's idea that you don't like and saying, I don't really understand that. Can you talk to me about that? Humanizing each other more. And like, don't get me wrong. I love the internet and I love social media and I, because I have family from far away and I get to see them. But I do think the world has changed so much. Like you were saying before, there's just so much that is changed. I can't even remember the last time that I like stuck my hand in the dirt. Watching that video and seeing that hand touching the dirt, I was like, gosh, that looks like it's really amazing. It's something that I, ne you'll feel that I never get to do. Yeah, you'll feel the difference. When you look at Make Soil, you'll notice that we bring the interaction in the community down to the level of each soil site. So it's not just people on the internet talking about composting and living in different countries. That's nice as well. But these are people talking about making soil, and then meeting one another around a specific soil site and actually doing something together. And that's a kind of interaction that the internet rarely facilitates. We can use a website and transform people's relationships to their neighbors, to build community, to regenerate the planet, like physically, actually, to kick off a whole new food system. That's that's what I love. I love, I love integrating technology and business and the environment and human society. I love integrating all those things that have become a little too separated and gone kind of wonky on their own. Just like in myself, you asked what my story is, and my story has been integrating all these different aspects of myself into one kind of coherent self. Yeah. <laughs> 
you know, you said it was that moment that you were meditating and you kept seeing this image of making soil. But what was the moment that launched you into that period of time where you felt like you needed to heal? What was life like before Make Soil for you that launched you kind of into this new Mm. way of living? There was a day when the company was doing well enough that I'd, I'd started as a 24 year old fresh out of college the company was doing well enough to where I didn't need to be there all the time and then the day came when I pretty much didn't need to be there at all I was able to replace myself and that was sort of when I was done because I was in a lot of pain honestly you know I'd picked up a lot of damage I started the company with my friends we'd had arguments we'd had fights I'd lost a best friend Anytime you store up resentments and don't express them or clear them, it's like a poison eating away at your body and the business world is full of that stuff and the working relationship world is full of that stuff. So I just, I'd taken a lot of damage and also I had sort of been forced to think about one problem set and one company for many, many years and my mind was so hungry to think about other things. My mind was always wandering to other domains, other disciplines without limits. You know, why are people sick? What is diabetes? Like, what are these chronic illnesses that are skyrocketing in the West? Like, I just, my mind was just always asking these kind of questions. So I was able to back away from the tech startup and able to just really throw myself at human health, physically, mentally. I saw how sick people were getting. I saw that pretty much three times a day, people were sort of poisoning themselves with something that wasn't good for their body. Like, yeah, it kept them alive, but it was also they were taking damage. I was, I became, I guess, very aware of how much damage we were taking in our jobs, in our lifestyles, in our relationships. And then I began to have experiences of undoing that damage and getting those legitimate human needs met. I believe that if we were to get those legitimate human needs met, we would have peace on earth. And connection, human connection is one of those. A lot of people are messed up because they didn't get enough human connection or encouragement or they got knocked down and they didn't have a support group to help build them up again or whatever. And I just started seeing these physical needs, these nutritional needs, these environmental needs and these psycho spiritual needs just not being met in society. And I thought, wow, I'm going to go full bore into correcting and and meeting those needs within myself. And after eight years of that, it just started to feel indulgent that I wasn't going full bore into helping the rest of the world too. So did you take eight years to get to the point where you started doing Make Soil? And was that the time that you were sort of healing from the stuff that had happened with the startup? Yes. That's that's about it. Now it was a little more complicated than that. I got I because I love to create as as I think many healthy people do. They love to create and make things. I did get involved in a few businesses here and there. I kind of in a half-hearted way tried to start a company in my spare time and get other people to start a company really. And so those things kind of they didn't work and they floundered and failed along the way. So I wasn't just like meditating all day or something, but that was the primary. I kept returning to that as what I was meant to be doing in that period of time. It's kind of like putting the oxygen mask on for First before assisting others, I had I was in need of a lot of oxygen at that point. So that really was the primary thrust of those eight years. Healing modalities, therapy sessions, workshops, new experiences all over the world, soul searching, spirituality, different religions. I was just anything that looked like it had the ability to repair or meet a human need or expand my consciousness or open my heart or whatever these kind of all these different experiences there were that I'd had I kind of neglected for the previous six years it was time to catch up on all that stuff and that's what I did that's what I focused on and that I think is a pretty rare thing to get to focus on putting oneself back together for that long yeah I was gonna say like I hope this doesn't come off as insulting but there is there is a sense of privilege that does kind 
kind of come with that ability to just go full into taking care of yourself. Maybe it's also that fear that we're talking about where like I have a lot of damage within myself that I feel like I could spend a lot of time healing. I have a lot of stuff, some obsessive compulsive things that I deal with that I would love to spend all of my time focusing on that, but I I can't. And so what what allowed you to, to be able to take that time? Yeah. In a sense, it was a real privilege, and I don't get triggered or insulted if it's called that. The risk here is that people think, well, that guy's privileged and I'm not, so he could do that and I can't. We don't want to leave people with that kind of mentality because that's disempowering. And yeah. so the truth of it is, as privileged as I was or seemed to be, what we're really saying here is that I took essentially what most people would do in 12 years of professional occupation. I crammed it into six years. I worked two or three times as much as the average day job. And risked my entire life savings, which was $10,000 that I had to my name on a company and made it work out. So that's the kind of privilege we're talking about here. Gambling everything you own on working three times as much as anybody you know and taking a lot of damage. That's the kind of privilege we're talking about. Yeah. And then when we talk about the healing, we're not talking about sitting around at a mud bath spa, getting like cucumber slices put in our eyes by an attendant. We're talking about getting really honest with yourself about what your patterns are, how you've hurt others, how you've hurt yourself, going into your subconscious and finding the most shameful, terrifying things that you don't want to confront. That's the kind of luxurious opportunity we're talking about here. Yeah. I wanted to bring that up because what you said right there is that healing is not easy. And that's why, you that's know, right. therapy is work. That's one of the things that I say all the time is like, like I'm not having fun here. I am talking about stuff that I don't want to talk about. I don't want to deal with this. It's really, really hard to face those things that you don't want to face. When you were saying that like some people like it's over a long period of time, it sounds like with your startup background even there's this sense of like you know all in like I'm just going for it that kind of seems part of just what you do is that you just you go for it that's it I'm pretty extreme pretty intense once I figure out that there's some goodness in some direction or some possibility we're gonna go level 10 and see what that means yeah and that's scary to me like I've given myself like a soft deadline of two years like okay two years I'm gonna do this podcast thing and if this doesn't work like ah I need to do something else that's terrifying to yeah. me like a lot of my life has been led by fear and you are the opposite where it's like this is going to be scary but here we go <laughs> it's it's sort of like that but it's more like oh here's a lot of fear that incapacitates me and debilitates me for two or three days and eventually I find my way out and go for it so just so you know that's actually what it looks like there's multiple days of terror and fear that I descend into like anybody else it just it just if I could say one thing, it's that there's a there's kind of a fundamental choice that each of us has in that place of fear. You can go in this direction, which is to find coping mechanisms and escape mechanisms that lessen the signal and lessen the pain. Or you can go in this direction right through the pain and the fear and emerge on the other side. The main privilege that I have been born with is that I, for whatever reason, have a mind or an internal compass where I, I tend to take that path of growth and going through the pain more often than I take the escape route. And then the, there's also feedback loops. The human mind actually updates really quickly and powerfully when there's feedback loops. And this might be helpful for some of the, the behaviors in your life that you're looking to change as well. If you're just like shaming yourself or criticizing yourself for not making a change, that's kind of a negative feedback loop. But I'm sure you've had experiences where you've gone through pain, you've gone through confronting something, and there's been a kind of catharsis or freedom on the other side. 
And the more that your mind can like notice that and put its eye on that, that helps you go through the pain because part of you remembers that there's an incredible freedom on the other side. I say that uh, the longer I go down this path of healing myself and trying to enlighten myself and all this, the more that hedonism and altruism are becoming the same thing. And that's really, it's a funny idea, but the more, the, the best thing that I can do for the world and the best thing that I can do for myself and the most pleasurable thing that I can possibly do all become the same thing, which is to heal yourself like crazy, to create, to unleash your true nature, to contribute to the world. They all become the same thing, a unified self. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all of that. That was, I know I like went there. <laughs> I was like, we need to talk about all of this. Oh, I'm so glad you asked those questions because uh, some, some podcasts we just cover make soil and there's not really a person behind it who had a journey and, and, um, and the kind of questions you're asking the mix of questions. I think that's some of the most helpful stuff to share. So yeah, at its core, what I'm trying to do is break down this wall that people have. Everybody has this face that they put on, especially like I do a lot of stuff on Instagram and there's this face on Instagram that is like, my life is awesome. Look how great it is. Like this, and look at me now. Like, and never, we're never <laughs> talking about, you know, I was having a terrible friggin' time or like I didn't like birth this in one day. Nobody Instagrams themselves the minute they roll out of bed and look like, they're all disheveled and their hair is crazy and like they didn't sleep well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like what I'm trying to do with the season talking to artists and entrepreneurs and creators and stuff like that is showing anybody can really do anything that they want to do if they really give it a shot. But there is that aspect of mental health that goes into everything because nobody's going to feel like they can create a company if they feel shitty about themselves. Totally. So that's what I try to do with, with my show is I try to ask those questions. And I, this is all the stuff that's definitely not on the website. So, you know, that's, that's what's juicy. Yeah. And I think also you kind of did cover a little bit about this, but what is your favorite thing about what you do with fake soil? One of the favorite things about the Make Soil Project is just how many levels of reality in society it works on simultaneously. So it feels really efficient and effective. You know, when people do this, the first thing they're doing is they're preventing methane from being created in a landfill, which is causing greenhouse gases. When you allow that banana peel and those coffee grounds to go to a landfill, they rot and turn into methane there. That causes greenhouse gases to form. The methane is a worse greenhouse gas than CO2, exacerbates climate change. On the other hand, if you turn it into soil, you prevent the methane from being formed, you actually capture carbon. When you're looking at those coffee grounds, when you're holding that banana peel, primarily what you're looking at is carbon. It's been pulled out of the air by the plant, molecule by molecule. And a lot of people that still hasn't quite connected in their minds. It's been a long time since we learned about photosynthesis and what it actually means. But photosynthesis is the carbon capture mechanism we're looking for. So people are capturing carbon, they're helping to reverse climate change, they're putting those nutrients directly into their food system that would have been stuck in a landfill for thousands of years and taken out of the food system. Food is getting less nutritious every single day because that's the way the system works right now. They're having a psychological experience that's nourishing. It's undoing shame about being a human being who's just wrecking the planet. They feel empowered that they're regenerating the planet. They're meeting neighbors. They're creating living soil. They're touching soil with microbes, which is really good for mental health because it helps you feel that you're part of a living plant instead of a just a dead planet made of glass and metal. And then people want to grow things. So I'm just blown away by how many leverage points, how many levels of reality the program operates on, and that gets me jazzed. And so I can't tell you how often I'm talking to somebody and they're telling me about a social problem they've identified. 
whether it's prisoners who aren't getting healthy experiences or people just out of jail who don't have anywhere healthy to plug in or, or people who are sick with some disease or something. And I just say, look, you're not going to believe this, but if they could start making soil with their neighbors, wow, they would, it would help that situation. We might not solve it entirely, but it would help. This simple act of making soil has sort of been shown to me as a way to help. It's not a panacea, but it does make just about every societal ill you can think of better. Yeah. And I mean, on the base level, like it's exciting to see something like that if you've never seen that kind of thing happen. And like there are more aspects of the situation beyond the base level of what you're actually doing and beyond the global aspect of what you're doing. But it's like there's an opportunity for anyone to find some little thing about what's happening that can bring them joy and that can kind of regenerate their their emotional health a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. People have these experiences, they're nourishing experiences, and then we are capable of thinking differently, seeing differently, and creating new solutions. And that's secretly part of what Make Soil is doing. It's just helping give people an experience of regenerating the planet in community together that has a certain quality or, or energetic pattern to it that they then will be able to recreate in their own lives, in their own contexts, and sort of elevate all of their endeavors going forward because now they've had this experience of, of doing something that positive and beautiful in that particular way. So it's a little, it's a secret little Trojan horse that actually raises the intelligence of everything else that we're going to try to do going forward as a, as a society. Yeah. That's one of the things that I learned in one of my go rounds in therapy is that like when you're having a tough time in life, being able to draw from positive experiences that you've had to kind of help lift you up in those moments of being down is like invaluable. Resourcing, they, they call yeah. it in psychology quite often. Yeah, yeah. Resourcing. Yeah. So the last like core question that I have is what are some of the challenges that come with what you do? And I mentioned before, you know, the idea of trying to get people to actually do make soil. Is that something that you feel like is a challenge or is that something that I'm like just projecting onto it? It is a challenge. It's a huge challenge. That's why uh, we did this as a a not-for-profit organization because, you know, if you had a for-profit business and you went to an investor and said, hey, I've got this idea to get people to do something that they don't know about, they don't know how to do, they don't know why they should do it or why it matters, and it requires them actually doing something consistently as a behavior change, you'd be thrown out of that investor's office in a heartbeat, right? That's where money and investment have gone are to like simple things like, hey, if you invest in this phone app game, we can get depressed people to tap this button over and over again. And that's the kind of businesses that are being invested in, right? Because they're kind of like a sure thing. The problem is that now where society is, where the biosphere is, where where the challenges humans are facing, it's time to actually engage in the behavior change, the society change, the self-education, learning about the planet that we've sort of been avoiding in the economy or wherever, right? So it is a very difficult challenge, and yet it is imperative. There is, there is no future for the human race out of beginning to harmonize what we do with the living biosphere that keeps us from the vacuum of space. So it must be done. <laughs> so. That keeps me going. And it is a challenge, but I'm sort of seasoned enough now to not make it harder on myself than it needs to be. We're very interested in organic growth. We're not trying to pump a bunch of advertising dollars into this thing to kind of trick people into doing something or to gamify it in some way that's not really authentic. We're focused on people having a transformative experience at the personal level, at the community level. And then as we succeed at that, they spread the word 
organically and effortlessly. And that's why we're on this podcast now. Now, sure, we could have been on 10 times more podcasts if we did it another way, but this podcast came about pretty effortlessly and organically. And that's that's how we're approaching it right now. And every day I look on the website and, and I get these little alerts because I'm an administrator there. You know, today a soil site went live in Dubai. You know, that's cool. And one went live in Pakistan the other day. I mean, that's amazing. So yes, it's challenging, but it's also happening and it will happen. And I'm not, I'm not going to give up. Yeah. And how many soil sites do you have happening right now? So I think right now there's around 300 soil sites and those have anywheres from one neighbor who's contributing to 15 neighbors who are contributing to each of those soil sites. And we've just really been live since the start of this year. So that's where it is right now. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that it was that young. Yep. Yep. It's pretty wow. young. That's awesome. That's so, so cool to be able to, you know, not only see, you know, the business growing in that sense, but to get to feel that, you know, you're creating a community even beyond people that you've, that you've been able to meet. Like your people are with you with what you're trying to do and you're creating, you know, that global initiative that you're talking about. Yes, yes, absolutely. And so there are, there are places when you look on make soil, like St. Petersburg, Florida, where I got to really drop in with the community there for a month. And we have like over 50 or 60 soil sites just in the Tampa Bay area. That's amazing. And then thankfully the majority of soil sites coming online though, they surprise me. I don't know the person. I've never talked to the person. They're finding out through other ways, which is how it has to spread. That's amazing. Yeah. And they're going to find out through your podcast. So thank you for uh, doing this. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I'm so excited. This is kind of silly, but do you know the Lorax? Yes. Do you know the, the if someone like you, if... Why would he leave that for me? Because unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing is going to get better. It's not. It's like the idea that like we have to care. Somebody just like you has to care or nothing is going to change. Like the only way that things are going to change is we have to start you have to start caring just enough to to make the change. And we all and we all have to do it. Yes, and the good news is that it's not just hard work. It's actually meaningful, purposeful work and that's part of what the mental health crisis and existential malaise of today is suffering from is a lack of doing things that we wake up every day and believe in with our heart, mind, and soul and body that we're proud to be a part of and see the beautiful regenerative effects of. So we're not just talking hard work. We're not just talking about rolling up our sleeves and doing some terrible thing without reward. We're talking about regenerating the planet together, healing ourselves and our communities together. And it will turn out to actually be that the thing we need to do here is actually the, also the most satisfying thing that we can do. Yeah. And it, and it all just starts with, from my, you know, novice understanding, it's like there's dirt, there's a certain amount of moisture that needs to happen. And it's all in this box that is open air on three sides and you, and there are like, and again, I'm going to put the the link in the show notes so that any, anybody who's listening to this is like, Taylor, what are you saying? There's lots of information. There's amazing videos that, jo that Josh is in that like explains everything. But it's really just a box that starts with, you know, dirt and leaves and 
you there are certain you just put your food scraps in there and then you actually don't even need to start with dirt you just start with food scraps and leaves and you get dirt out of it that's the magic oh that is the magic that makes sense that's the magic and it has to be seen to really be fully understood. It's that moment when you and your neighbors have been putting yellow banana peels and tea bags and dirty paper towels and chicken bones and whatever you want to put in there for months. And you come back and there is dark, black, living earth that you have created in that process. It's like alchemy. That's that's the experience that we're spreading. And most people have never had it or seen it. Yeah, it's I mean, even though I've seen the videos and I've talked to you, like I'm looking at the person that has created this and it's still hard to believe <laughs> that 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 that. Yeah, it's still an abstraction. You got to got to have the experience. It's kind of like the Matrix. Nobody can quite say what it is. You have to have the experience. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. I've learned a ton, not just about making soil, but like just about, you know, you and about the effects that this can have on us all emotionally and mentally. And I really appreciate all that you shared with me. It's really awesome that you were so open and honest about everything. Mm. Well, thank you, Taylor. It's been a real pleasure. Am I alone? No, I don't think so. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope that you got something out of this episode, whether it be some information on how to better serve the environment through composting, or just some inspiration for how to find the life that makes you happy, even if getting there isn't that easy. And as always, we encourage you to have conversations like these with the people in your life. The more conversations like these we have, the less we feel so alone trying to figure out life and the closer we feel to those that we love. Learn about new things. Ask people who they are and what they do. You may learn something new or get excited about something in a way you never thought possible. Learn about new things. Ask people about who they are and what they do. You may learn something new or get excited about something in a way that you never thought possible. I learned so much about composting and mental health from talking to Josh. I was nervous about this interview. It can be really scary talking to people that I've never met before, even if it's just like over Skype. But it was a great experience, and it all happened by getting out of my comfort zone about what I do and who I talk to. Thanks again to Josh for talking to us. He was amazing. And I hope that you guys find a soil site or make a soil site of your own and start helping to save the planet. If you want to stay up to date with episode releases or see cute pictures of cats, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at WhoKnowsPod. We are also on Facebook at WhoKnows. We feature pets on our Instagram story every day we release a new episode. So if you want to send us a picture of your cat or dog or whatever baby you have, send us a photo over on our Instagram and we will feature your pet. You can also visit our website at whoknowspod.com. And if you want to send us any questions, we can answer them on the show and it would be super amazing. So just email those to taylor at whoknowspod.com. The best way to support us is, can you guess it? Oh, I heard it in the back. That's right. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your grandma, teach her how to use the phone so she can listen to some who knows. Maybe she already does because she's a badass. Who knows? Ha ha ha. da if you help us by leaving a review, we can grow the show and grow this community. And it is going to be amazing to watch it grow with your help. To support us even further, what can you do? In the back, to the left, third seat in? Yes. Join us on Patreon for as low as a dollar a month for access to exclusive content and to help the show get better and better. This episode was hosted by me, Taylor Dankovich, edited and produced by Lynn Barbera. 
Our intro music is by Chris Williams, and our outro and transition music is by Tori Silver. Who knows who's out there, but I love you, and thanks for listening. Go green, save the planet. We can do it together. No review shootout. No review sh- shootouts. <laughs> oh, God.